Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. When we went through the lockdown, when we had just started to hear COVID cases across the world and then came into Africa and into our land, God had showed us and uh, we by the impression of the spirit had a good time in the first months of the year because we were in both fasting as a ministry and prayer we used to meet every Friday to pray so when I sought God when the lockdown had eventually taken place concerning what was the need for the hour, what was the answer the church was supposed to give, what were the solutions we were supposed to give the world. The Lord showed me something and became a very distinctive instruction on my heart that I've consistently carried through this whole season. The Lord showed me that, you see, it's one thing to say, let's pray for disease out of the country. Let's pray for this sickness out of the country and the poverty that has come with that and many other things, the ripple effects of the lockdown and COVID, the disease and the loss of our people. We call them the macabre days, days of death and sorrow. Everything is speaking death. The spirit of death is hovering upon the world. And not only is the death of people but many things, businesses, you know, conglomerates are shaking because of these days. The Lord showed me something and said, instead of praying against this sickness, empower men to stand through this storm. Somebody shout hallelujah. He told me empower men to stand through this storm because I am a personal God and I deal with every man on a personal basis. You can rebuke a spirit of a man who has no faith and because he has no faith, it doesn't matter how much prayer you have, if you're carrying men with your own faith, you can only carry them for a while, isn't it? But if you can give them faith, it means that in your absence, they can still execute the judgment over illness, execute judgment over the frustrations of the hour. They can fight for themselves. So the Lord impressed it on my heart. If you have been listening from the time lockdown came through, the kind of sermons I've been preaching, you will realize that I've been equipping men, I have been empowering men to fight for themselves. This is a season where we have to learn to pray individually. You know, there's a time where people you know, gloried in corporate prayer. I'm praying with the apostle, so I'm praying with prophets, so I'm praying with evangelists, so no. Now, if somebody's listening right now, they are in hospital, they have no access to the apostle or pastor they were praying with holding hands. 
This is the time more than ever before that you have to learn to pray for yourself. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so in empowering men, the words that I'm speaking, even through this season, we seek to empower you to know how to fight for yourself. And tonight I want to give you a very powerful weapon. I'll give you a story. A lady brings somebody, another lady to me a couple of years ago, and tells me that this woman has spent many years in marriage. Many, many years in marriage. Six or so and more. And she has never conceived. Never conceived. And so she says, I want you to pray for her. And so I share the promises, the word of God concerning having children. And after sharing all that I had to, we prayed together. And when we were praying together, I had a vision that this woman was going to conceive. But the Holy Spirit gave me an instruction and said, when this woman conceives, tell her to come and see you. The moment she sees life in her womb, tell that woman to come and see you. Because there are things that I want you to show her. And these are the things that will help her. They will enable her carry through her pregnancy the full time and have a supernatural birth. And so I instructed her and I said, the moment you conceive, call me. A couple of months later, four or five months, she conceives. And then first trimester, second trimester, somewhere in the middle, the family calls me and they tell me that she had died. She had died giving birth, I think. I think she went through the third and giving birth, she died. And she lost the child as well. You see? Now, this is the challenge. Why did she die in a delivery room? In the place where God was fulfilling a promise and unanswered prayer was imminent. Why did she die? Why did she die giving birth? Why did she die giving birth? This is why. It's one thing for you to learn to appropriate the promises of God upon your life. But it's another to align, to synchronize, to know how to connect with the anointing that preserves you in the fulfillment of the promise of God. Did you hear what I just said? Let me say it again. It's one thing for you to know how to receive and walk in the premises of God, to take it as your own and even have the results of the fulfillment of that promise. But it's another for you to know how to align and synchronize and connect to the anointing that is responsible to preserve you in the fulfillment of that promise. There is no use for God to promise you a car you will never drive or to receive that car and then you die. There's no use of God promising you that you're going to conceive and have a child and then you get to the end of having that child, you die in the theater or in the delivery room. That's not the will of God. He promised that I will bless you. You make a lot of money and you buy the car you have dreamed to have and that car buries you in an accident. 
There was a lady one time who was teaching someday, many years ago. She said, you know, some of you, the reason why you don't get these things that you have asked God for is because those things God can see, for example, that you want a car. And then he sees that if he gives it to you, you will get into that car and have an accident. So what God does, he denies you the car, so you'll not die in an accident. The justification of why I'm not driving a car is that I might get into an accident. But darling, you sit in other cars. They can kill you too. Somebody shout hallelujah. You sit in other cars and they can kill you too. That's not true. That's a misrepresentation of the Father. Somebody shout hallelujah. So I started to read scripture upon scripture a couple of years ago. Because I used to have questions. Yes, the promises of God are here. All the promises of God in him are yeah and in him are men unto the glory of the Father. But how do we see men fainting? in the days of the fulfillment of the promise? Why do we see men dying in the days of the fulfillment of the promise? Why do we see frustrations and disappointments and destructions come in the time of God fulfilling his promises in our lives? And the Spirit of the Lord told me, but you see, it's not my way to speak a promise and seek the fulfillment of that man's promise and that man is destroyed. They just do not know how to live and preserve themselves during or in the process of receiving these promises. They don't know how to connect to that anointing, but I have given it and it's available. It's a place of knowledge and realization. Did you know, let me say this, God has not promised you anything that he has not given you the anointing and power of preservation for in its fulfillment. Did you know that? Do you know some people don't know that? Do you know how many people have not come to the realization that actually, the promises that are given you by God come with the anointing to preserve you to the fulfillment of those promises and the enjoying of the things that God has freely given you in Christ Jesus. To know it is a very powerful experience in the human spirit. To know, just to simply know. Just to simply know. Because see, it helps you learn how to claim, how to speak, how to refuse, how to counsel, how to say, you know, I'm not going to accept what the devil is trying to do. Because it's very easy to accept anything if you do not know what God has said. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let's read the Psalms 105. Now we're talking about the patriarchs. Let's read from the sixth verse. The Bible says, O ye seed of Abraham his servant, ye children of Jacob his chosen, he is the Lord our God and his judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever and the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath and to Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, I will give unto thee the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When the Bible says they were but a few men in number, they were very few and strangers in it. God comes to our patriarchs, there's still few in numbers. And the emphasis there, very few, comma, and strangers in that very land. And God tells them, I shall or have given you this land. It's the lot of your inheritance. See, the promise has been spoken. The word of God has been commanded concerning the destiny of few men who are also in strange men. Because see, let me say this about the promises of God. When God speaks into your destiny, it's irrespective of where you are. It's irrespective of how many you are. It's irrespective of who knows you. It's irrespective of your family background. 
It's irrespective of your height. It's irrespective of your color. It's irrespective of whether you are from a first world country or you're a third world country. When God speaks upon you, it's irrespective whether you know how to speak or you don't know how to speak. It's irrespective whether you know people enough to get to your next level or you don't know anybody. It's irrespective of whether the thing he has spoken upon you or for you is still in the possession of another man. Oh, the Bible says not only were they few, but the Bible says they were strangers. Do you know entering a nation whose passport you don't have? You've entered with a visa. You've paid expensively. They almost had even denied you that visa. Then you step in that land. Perhaps you come from a third world country. Then you go to a first world country. And then you step on that land and God says, I have given you and your descendants. Now, I can imagine what Abraham went through. I can imagine what he went through. And so it's many, many years of fulfillment that God fulfills it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now listen, there were few men in number and very few and strangers in it. And the Bible says, verse 13, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another. You see, when they went nation to another, kingdom to another, that means not only were they strangers, not only were they few, but they didn't even have a place to settle. They did not have a place they could call home. So even the homeless can receive promise. Some of you think that because you're in a rental, you can't dream. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Even if you're sleeping in the house of somebody who is giving you food and water for free, Believe God for your portion. The kingdom of God is vast. Now the scriptures tell us, they went nation to another, kingdom upon another. And listen, and verses 14, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yeah, the Bible says he reproved kings for their sex, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. What is God up to? What is God up to? Why is he commanding kings not to touch people, them? Why is he reproving kings for the sake of the children of Israel? Why is he telling them do not touch my anointed for the sake of the patriarchs? He is saying, I have spoken a promise on their lives that has to come to pass. And because of that, I've also commanded a certain grace on their lives. If I have to charge angels to preserve them, I will do. But if you dare touch them, I will prove to you that you cannot touch someone who I'm not yet done with. Hey! I don't know whether somebody understands what I'm saying. So he told him, look, it doesn't matter what you do. These ones don't touch them. Why? Because they are 10 years somewhere ahead. There's something I must fulfill in their lives. And if you kill them now, what will I have in 10 years to fulfill? Somebody shout hallelujah. This is how I know you cannot die. Because you have a promise. You have a call of God on your life. There's a vision of God. See, I've had Christians say, you know, you can die anytime. No, no. No, you cannot die anytime. Refuse to die anytime. Refuse to expect to die anytime. Uh-uh. Go to heaven when you have done what God has called you to do. Then that's okay. Somebody shout hallelujah. Our master could not leave his breath out until he said it is finished. It is finished. 
he excelled it out. The Bible says his life was not taken. It was given. Understand this. Jesus' life was not taken. It was given. Somebody shout hallelujah. So when he gave it and finished what he was supposed to do, he says it is finished. Then he gave up the ghost. He could not give up the ghost. He could not give up the life in him until he had finished what God had commanded on his life and nothing could kill him because he knew. He knew who called him. He knew the mind of God concerning his destiny. Were they upright? Were they always doing the right things? No. But he's saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. What anoints them? The promise spoken over their lives. That's what anoints them. So when God says, I will make you great, or I have made you great, something comes on you. It's called the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible says that he is the saving strength of his anointed. Every man is anointed to the degree of the mandate they have received of God. Let me emphasize, not given, received. Because one thing to be given is another to receive. Somebody shout hallelujah. So yes, we've been quoting scriptures. We've been quoting these things. Oh, the Bible says, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. But let's understand the context. He's talking about men who are on a mission. That's why I tell people, if you know a man has an assignment on his life, don't touch them. Don't touch a man who has an assignment on his life. Don't. Don't touch a woman who has an assignment who has a promise on their lives. Because God is so zealous to fulfill what he spoke on that man's life. And it's even bigger than the man. Bible says you're not of your own. You were bought with a price. Somebody shout hallelujah. So when we say, attach not his anointed and do my prophets no harm, He's saying that I have promised something on their lives and their life has to be preserved because of what I've promised on their lives. Now, when you are listening to such a someone and you are connecting to what I'm saying, I would expect you to make a prayer like this because you say, God, that I'll be this. Therefore, I decree and I declare that sickness is far from me. That's your expected action. That's the expected action. That's your profession. It's your confession. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because you shall eat of the fruit of your lips. To know that there is a preservation of God on your life. What if God says that I'm going to make you the most successful evangelist this world has ever seen. And then tomorrow you walk in a doctor's room and they give you a report that gives you two weeks. Somebody says, you know what? Some people who have not understood how God works do. They just say, you know, I think I didn't hear God. Because if I had God, if I had God, they would say, why then do I have 12 days to die, one month to die? Oh, oh, such ignorance, such ignorance, such ignorance. So you have substituted God's promise with a man's diagnosis. 
because a man has diagnosed you. You have canceled God's promise and purposes over your life. God is a liar because why would my body be like this? Why would my heart be failing if he has promised this? Why would my kidneys be failing? Why would this be failing if God has promised this? Oh, he is the God of all flesh. Listen, he is the God of all flesh. He owns your heart. He's the God of your liver. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that God saw the liver issue. He saw the heart issue. He saw the lung issue. He saw the blood issue. And he still said that I will use you. You cannot die before your time. But what about those who die? I cannot speak about those who die. But I can speak to you who is alive. Refuse to die before your time. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you read Isaiah, the story 54, as he's having a conversation concerning the barren woman, I was saying, you, O barren, for thou didst not bear. You're breaking forth soon, and your children are going to be more than the children of the married wife, EDC. And then he continues speaking in the life you know, of Israel. He's telling them to enlarge the place of their tent and let them stretch forth the curtains uh, of their habitations and let them not spare and lengthen their cords and strengthen their stakes. He's telling them something is coming because they're breaking forth on the right and on the left. This is God promising. Your seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. This is God promising. Listen, listen, listen. He's telling them stretch forth. Expand your curtains. Enlarge them. Because you will break forth on the right. You will break forth on the left. Your seed will inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. These are promises spoken on a barren woman. Barren woman. <laughs> These are promises spoken on a barren womb. Where you can judge no potential. And God says, this is my plan for you. And then he continues all through. If we'll skip to verses 9. He says, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I've sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. I will not be angry with you, nor rebuke you anymore. This is God swearing. These are promises. Somebody shout, Amen. He says, For the mountains shall depart, the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. He's speaking into their lives. Neither shall the covenant of thy peace be removed, saith the Lord that has mercy. He says, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, not comfortable. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. These men he's speaking to are afflicted. They are tossed with tempest and they're not in comfort or with comfort. He continues, verses 12, I will make your windows of a gate and thy gates of cabancles and all thy borders of pleasant stones and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness, now listen, you shall be established and you shall be far from all oppression. Because he's saying, see, it's one thing to give you this and then you're oppressed. And he says, uh -uh, I need to even give you that which should keep you in the time when I'm increasing and multiplying you. So I will establish you in righteousness. And you shall be far from all terror. Let's continue. Behold, the Bible says, they shall surely gather. That means attacks will come. He didn't say they might gather. He didn't say they could gather. He did not say they may gather. He did not even say they will gather. No, no, no. He says, behold, they shall gather together, but not by me. 
They are not by me. And whosoever shall gather together against thee, the Bible says they shall fall for yourself. That means you cannot say that I'm going to be the deepest preacher and people won't come. God can't say that you're going to be the richest man in the world and people won't attack you. It's not possible. Oh no, as you're receiving this promise, understand that there are things that are going to set themselves against you. They shall come. They shall come. But God has said, should anything come in the midst of what I promised on your life, it's not by me. <laughs> he says, if anything should come and you see and know that you are a work in progress and I'm working on you and you know that I'm in it and you know that I'm the one who anointed you, I'm the one who called you, I'm the one who saved you, I'm the one who consecrated you, I'm the one who sanctified you. If anybody raises a word against you, they're not by me. I'm not on their side. I'm on the side of the woman I've promised. I'm on the side of the man that I've promised. Somebody shout hallelujah. Do I have somebody with a promise? Did God ever speak to you one day? See, we were not there. We might have not been there. It might have not been an open prophetic word by a prophet of God. But something must have been spoken one day in the secret place of your prayer. Something might have been pronounced one day when you're on a prayer mountain where nobody was. If you are certain that God spoke to you, if anything ever attacks you, God says it's not by me. I'm on the side of telling them not to touch you. I'm on the side of judging them for touching you. Even if you are wrong. The Bible says, who are you to judge another man's servant? If he falls, he falls before God. And if he stands, he stands before God. Now listen, that very line, next line. Yeah, the Bible says, he shall be holding up. You see, see God's mind. He shall be holding up for God is able to make him stand. See, again, God has said, even in that instance, if you fall, I will be getting you up. A righteous man falls seven times, I'll still get you up. The point is, I'm able to uphold a man on whom I have spoken a word over and I will make him stand. God says, I will make you stand. But for it to work in your life, you must know it. For my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Because if you don't know it, you can accept any kind of garbage from the devil. Self-condemnation. I don't deserve this. I've done this. I've messed up. I've done this. No, I think even if this happens, I'll just accept it because I messed up God's words and I messed up. No, 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 no. Listen, if you have anything to deal with God, he will deal it with you. Because he's your master. Before he called you, he knew all your strengths. And he knew all your weaknesses. And there is nothing new that you have done or not done that surprises him. He looked at every weakness of yours and still said, me, I want you. Now that's direct translation. <laughs> in Uganda, it sounds so wonderful in Uganda. You understand? I want you, irrespective. If Judas knew this, he would not kill himself. Because even though he had issues with the money, God still chose him to keep the treasury. If Judas knew this, he would not have committed suicide. Some, if they don't fall sick, they kill themselves. Self-condemnation eats them up. And they get all the other diseases of worry. Hypertension and all these other things. Stress and cancers and what? Somebody say, I thank you, God. Because you're teaching me.
So he says, in righteousness shall be established and shall be far from them if they surely shall gather. He says, but they shall not be by me and whoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for whose sake? For your sake. That's big. That's very big. Now let's continue. I'm enjoying this. Are you? Behold, he says, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. I have created the west that will destroy. And that's where now he tells you, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. You see, he didn't say, I will condemn it. God didn't say, when a tongue rises against you, I, God, will condemn it. No, no, he says, no, no, no. Let me be the God. Let me be your rare God. Let me under God you. Let me do my business here. Do your part too. If anybody rises against you, judge it. Judge it. He says any tongue that rises against you, you condemn it. You judge it. Hey, you judge it. A story spoken about the late Bishop Benton in Dahosa. Somebody sparked a war against him in media and they started to send fake news misinformation in the public to destroy his image as a man of God and so a story is told a news anchor reader is before the set cameras are rolling and then he reads openly that the archbishop Benson in Ahosa is to spend Christmas season in prison because of a case that has been alleged against him. And this was false. As he spoke those words, there's a gentleman with him, there's somebody with him in that room. The fellow says that as the words were spoken, Idahosa pointed on that television and spoke in tongues and said, I cannot be arrested. Immediately, the station went off air and the screen was black. And what people who know the story say, electricity went off in the whole television station, even with the stand-up generators and everything. And so they tried to put on the electricity. It took them a couple of minutes. After a few minutes, they switched back on the lights and the gentleman who spoke it was called dead on that table. So I'm not saying kill people. I'm only saying be careful. Maybe even the man of God didn't intend to kill him. He just spoke in tongues and something was interpreted by the Holy Spirit. Touch not the Lord's anointed and do his prophets no harm. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So now, when we read Isaiah 54 and it says that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. He's talking to men whom he has pronounced words over. And he realizes, look, I have spoken on the greatness. Their children shall be taught of the Lord. Their peace shall be many. I've spoken of how I'll beautify their guts. I'll build them with stone. I will multiply them. The barren will give birth. And he's like, mm, now if I get to this end and some random virus gets into her body, then he also gave it the antidote. <laughs> he inoculated, he vaccinated it and said, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. That means I vaccinated you. Hey, glory. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. He says, and every tongue that shall rise against you shall condemn. He says, this is the heritage 
of my servants and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Why? I spoke promises in their lives. Let me say this again. It's important that you know it. It's very important that you know it. Because you can abuse the grace that is supposed to operate in preserving you. You can frustrate the anointing that is sent for your preservation in the fulfillment of what God placed upon your life. That will kill you early. It will destroy a lot. If it doesn't kill you, it can destroy your marriage, your career, your business. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Nay, in all these things, he says, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Somebody shout amen. So in 2 Peter, in light to that reality, in light to that revelation, the light now is come to Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 1, let's read the second verse. He tells them grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now, let me emphasize this before I go further. Grace and peace is multiplied when knowledge comes. So for example, if you did not know what I'm sharing right now, or if it wasn't so clear in your spirit, and I've given you the clarity of it, or the understanding of it, a certain grace has come upon you. I don't know why it's coming upon you, but surely something must be coming ahead of you where that grace will be enough to overshadow and frustrate whatever wants to slow you. Somebody shout hallelujah. And on top of that, the peace of that as well is available now because the knowledge of God is here. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now it continues. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Very important, his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, when it comes to the New Testament, why emphasize Peter? In the New Testament, his divine power has given, not will, not shall, not might, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness according to the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now listen, because of that again, he says, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great promises. Now, see how the promises are still important. Now, in the New Testament, we first recognize what is given to us. And then in prayer and communion with God, we recognize and appreciate the promises. So you don't say, you promised that you'll make me this. No, you said, Father, you have made me this as you promised. Did you understand that? Father, you have made me this as you promised. You have made me this as you promised. You have made me this as you promised. So we're given precious promises. Whereby, listen, by these, the Bible says, you will be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. You have escaped the corruption. You have escaped. God wants you to know that you have escaped everything that could corrupt or destroy you. You have. You have. And these promises are given to you to confirm that because he spoke this, you should know that there is an anointing that is available for you. That's what allows you to be a partaker of a certain nature. These promises allow you to be a partaker. I don't really understand what I'm saying of a certain nature because it's important when attacks come to find you in a certain nature. 
There are believers who are dying like human beings. No more men. Because some diseases find them in a certain nature. There are people who faint because some circumstances find them in a certain nature. Their consciousness is aligned to a certain nature. I don't know if I'm making sense. When you embrace, or if you embrace the good life, the life of God in you, it doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter how it comes. It's important that it finds you solid in conscience with a certain nature. Because the promises of God that are given to you as precious as they are, are there to the end of those promises. not just the fulfillment of what God spoke in your life, but the end of it, and I'm adding a second point, is to define a certain nature and awaken a certain consciousness of that nature in you. So God is not just saying, I will give you a car, or I've given you a husband, or I've given you a house. You might end in the fulfillment of the things the world can give you, but then forget the end of what these promises are for. Everything God is promising and speaking on your life or has spoken or given you is to the end that you will wake up one day conscious of a certain nature because of what he has given you. He has poured so much in you, so much in you that it cannot be contained by a fallen nature. Now, this is so big if you understand it. So even these houses you will have, the cars you will drive, the marriage, the children you will have, the ministry growing and everything, the end of that, if your eyes can open to go to the end of that, you will see that all along what God wanted to do was to create a certain consciousness to a certain nature because it's important for God to define higher responsibilities in your life when you're fully awakened to that nature. Because right now we're still in the realm of receiving all that God has given us. But when we mature into understanding the end of that nature, then we will know how much we should give because of how much we have received. Now the responsibility shifts from what I'm receiving only into what I'm able to give. I have blessed thee to be a blessing. I have anointed you to extend the very anointing to other men as well. I have made you rich to make many rich. I've given you a marriage to help many get married. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I took you to school to educate others. That's why I educate many people. Many, many people. I educate many children. Why? Because he took me to school. So I have to take somebody to school. I must take an orphan to school. You stop living for yourself. You become larger than you. Because once you get into the consciousness of that nature, you have enough grace for others. Let me say it again. When you get to the consciousness of that nature, the fulfillment of all that God has spoken in your life, it might not be that you see all fulfilled physically, but if you can come to the consciousness that all of it is here and amen, and that these premises are all leading you to this one place of defining a certain consciousness and nature in you, you will realize, finally, how much is demanded from you. For to whom much is given, the Bible says, much 
more will be required. So you start to realize why you cannot allow somebody next to you to sleep hungry. Why you cannot let those around you fall sick without praying for them. Why you cannot allow families to break when you've not done something about it. You find that responsibility starts to follow you. And as that responsibility continues working in your life, something starts to happen around you. And people over time start to say, there's something on this man or woman that is so God than it is man. That is so God than it is man. Why am I sharing all of this? Because the world has been so engrossed in a virus that cannot be seen. And they're losing sight of a God who created all things. Many people don't know, many Christians across the world don't know the power that is available for us to believe. They do not know the promises that are yea and amen in him. They do not know how much we have been given concerning life and godliness. They don't know what's available for us and what's on our side. They can't even trust God to keep them in the storm. You know, you read the story. He was on a boat, right? And the winds were boisterous. And these men that are with him on the boat are afraid that they will sink. So they go to him in part of the ship somewhere. The Bible says he was asleep on a pillow. Now, the Bible doesn't say that he was lying with closed eyes. If you have been on a ship and the winds are boisterous, so if you have watched a movie or a vessel, you know, under heavy winds and storms, especially for the time of Jesus, the size of the vessels in the time of Jesus, it is impossible for the human body to be in one place when that boat is shaking. Now, I want you to see this because that needs a whole hour to explain it. But you see, the Bible says he was asleep and they awoke him. Now, if he wasn't Jesus, people would say, but this guy has a very funny spirit because how can he sleep that much? Hmm? When you're growing up and you oversleep, they would say, but what's with you? What, what's on you? How can you sleep like this? Now, this is the son of God, 100%. God, no demon on him. And then he sleeps so much that somebody actually needs to shake him. And he tells them it's faith. So faith will not cause you to close your eyes in the middle of the storm, but it will cause you to sleep. I'm not talking about the faith that makes you close your eyes and then pretend like, okay, now I'm believing God. And the winds are hitting you. You are consciously awake, but you're forcing yourself to rest. No, I'm talking about that faith that really makes you sleep. That even if your body moved in the air because of the tossing, you are so in faith that nothing has consequence to awaken your body. Oh, conscience. What a faith. Man woke up and stretched himself and then the Bible says he went out and said, Peace! Be still. And he turned to them. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And he goes back to sleep. I assume. I assume. 
<laughs> the Bible says they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? May it be said about you. You see, they asked the wrong question. They should have asked, what manner of man sleeps in a storm? Someone raise your voice and start to speak to Jesus. Thank God for the word you received today. Say in the name of Jesus, I believe that all that you have promised comes with the anointing of preservation for its fulfillment, but also to allow me to extend that grace and seed of glory and greatness into another man's life. Come on, say it. Now raise your voice and thank God. You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me well. Jesus. Come on, raise your voice and pray. You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me well. Jesus, help me choir. You have done me well. You have done me well. You have done me well. Jesus, you have done me well. You have done me well. Father, we thank you because it is well with our homes. It is well with our careers. It is well with our businesses. Shout amen. It is well with our bodies. It is well with our dreams. It is well with our aspirations. The strength of God is with us. The hand of God is upon us to keep us and protect us, to preserve us and undergird us. I decree and I declare that you will not die in the place of giving birth. You will not faint in the place of bringing forth. And when you bring forth, may you have the power to enjoy what God has given you. For the Bible says you shall build houses and live in them. You shall plant vineyards and you shall eat of them. You will start businesses and you'll have the fruit of them. You will run ministries and you'll enjoy the work and hand of God on their lives. You will finish well. In Jesus' name, receive it and say amen. If you're sick in your body, you're healed. If you have never given your life to Christ, I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I'm born again. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 
4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.